Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. And this is The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. We are breakup coaches here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another fun, (laughs) semi-fun episode of X-Files. And you're about to see what we're talking about yeah tell you what we're talking about we come in so strong with our breakup sad stories being like this is so fun um so yeah we get it it's fun to talk about it's fun to talk about and we are here to uplift your spirits um and give you some inspiration and reassurance that everything's going to be okay you're going to be able to laugh about this soon so yeah and I think um a theme that we've had in the last few episodes definitely including this one definitely including last week why is it taking me so long to get over them is knowing that it's okay knowing that you're normal and validating your pain yeah it's real it's real so it's um a semi-beautiful day here in Denver. Yes. Right? The and sun came out for a little while. For a little while. <laughs> and we, um, yeah, hearts go out to all of the victims of yesterday morning's tragedy. Uh, mm. Very scary and frustrating that that continues to go on. And mm-hmm. yep, we just want to, yeah, let, let the victims and their families know their hearts go out to them. Yes. And... Yeah. Before we get started, we also wanted to mention that X-Files is building an online community and we would love you to join us over there. Yes. So we have a Facebook group where we see um, listeners being able to come together, find a support buddy or a Mm -hmm. support group of people who are understanding what you're going through, where you can talk about what you're learning on the podcast, also ask questions, and we will be in there going live, doing mini trainings. We have yeah. a lot of stuff planned for this group. So it's called Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. It's on Facebook. Yep. You'll have to request to join because we made it private so that whatever you're posting in there, if someone's not accepted in the group, they cannot see it. So yeah, and we're going and others to won't know that, that you're space. in it. Yep. <laughs> yes, uh, no one absolutely. will know you're in it, and mm-hmm. we are going to protect that space like lionesses and make sure that you guys have a really safe place to be and to heal. Yeah. Yes, and anyone who's DM'd us knows that we love interacting with our listeners, and this will just give us more opportunity to mm-hmm. do that. So yep. the link is in the show notes, and we would, yeah, like I said, love you to join us. Yay. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We've got yeah. kind of an interesting topic, right? Yes. We're going to be talking about the healing benefits of crying and why you should let yourself cry after a breakup. Yes. And right? yeah. And if this is sounding obvious to you, then congratulations. Mm-hmm. Well done. Um, society hasn't affected you too much. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Keep doing what you're doing. But for a lot of us, it's very much bottle up the pain, internalize, go on with your life. This isn't a big deal. You know, that's mm-hmm. like the message that we've got. So we thought we'd do a whole episode today on why crying is so important what possibly it does and also yeah just just tips and tricks for releasing emotions in that way 
Yeah, and I think it's a good idea that we're doing these kind these episodes on the grieving process because I know that both of us tend to lean on looking at the bright side of life, mm-hmm. uh, which has come from lots of learning, lots of icky experiences, um, and you you know there is such a thing as toxic is it toxic positivity? Yes, toxic yeah. positivity. Right, and although we believe in the in the power of positive thought. Um, and also the fact that from our point of view, a breakup is an opportunity for a new beginning yeah. <laughs> There is the other side that absolutely must be recognized so mm-hmm. that people can feel validated and be given space. We don't want to be the part of society that says you're not allowed to grieve. So yes, let's exactly. talk about crying. Let's talk about <laughs> crying. <laughs> yes. So um, there's an important part of the healing journey that we want to make sure that we give space to. So last week we talked about the issue of moving on and why some people think that it takes them longer than it should or longer than they would like it to take. Um, But a crucial aspect of the moving on portion of the journey is grieving is feeling all that pain. And as we said in the episode, our society doesn't really allow people a lot of space and time to do this if it's not a death or a divorce. Even divorce, I don't feel like, and I mentioned this in the episode, do people really get time off work even if it's divorce? I don't know. I think you would probably know better than I would in that case. <laughs> well, yeah. as you know from my story, I had really supportive people around me and I just graduated. And so I didn't have a uh, an, a normal job. Um, my friends were supportive. Um, mm, yeah. I would venture to say, though, oh, and I was working for friends as well. <laughs> so, But I don't, I didn't take time off for it. I showed up okay. work late because I had drank too much trying to process Oops. it, <laughs> yeah, but um, I didn't take time off, but I have been in many jobs and known many people to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, yeah, divorce gets recognized more than a non-marriage breakup, but I still don't think that we give even divorced people who are dealing with divorce the, the space that they need. Yeah. And also divorce has its own icky aspects, but it's not it can be just as devastating if you weren't. So yeah, little tangent there. But. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, this is just uh, popping into my head right now, but when I broke up with my ex fiance, um, it, you know, we started breaking up the night before and we confirmed the breakup the next morning. Oh, icky, icky, icky. Um, yeah. On, on the last day of work for me of the week. And so, I confirmed that, yes, we were doing this. And then I went to work and that was very much my mode of coping was Mm -hmm. go distract myself. Don't feel anything. And I remember, um, it was such a bizarre thing. Um, my, my boss who was like my manager's manager at that time, but she had been my manager at one point, Um, so we, but it had been a while since we had like really like talked, you know, at work, but she came by my desk, I think like the, a couple days later and, um, like after the weekend and was like, 
pulled up a chair and was oh, like, God. I heard what happened. Oh God. And you're, you're so strong and you're going to get through this. And I just mm-hmm. want you to know you have support here. And the, I was like, okay, thanks. You know, <laughs> like I, and I was like, that's such a nice thing of her to do. But I also was so out of touch with my feelings and my emotions. I was like, could you not bring it up? Um- <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, everyone's different. And I, yeah. I mean, almost in that case, you could almost have felt, felt like your privacy and space was sort of violated in a slight way mm-hmm. because maybe you hadn't wanted to bring that into the workplace. Yeah, and I also think this just goes to show how as society we're not really taught how to handle other people's grief. You know, um, I see her as doing really the best that she knew to do at the time. And I think that as we all go on our individual paths of learning how to cope with our own grief, we'll also become better at supporting others through theirs. But I could see how it wouldn't have been received so well and I also could have seen how I could have you know I could have called out um I think I would have been you know I would have actually shed those tears if I had called out Mm -hmm. (laughs) because instead I just kept distracting myself for the next few weeks you know right yeah interesting and we're gonna talk about that in this episode and certainly it's not all about if you take time off. I just think the things that we're allowed to take time off work for are an indication of overall how people respond. And yeah, when it comes to breakups, not everyone is going to really yeah. um, give you the time you need. But yeah, and that was a that. very, very <laughs> progressive situation too. Like working at an animal shelter we had in our paid time off like list of things was uh three days for pet bereavement so if your pet died and which is great because like everyone there understands how painful that is it's out of animal welfare nonprofit. (laughs) so they were like yeah we're gonna just write this into the code because we're all probably gonna have this happen eventually Um, (laughs) yeah i mean i guess they kind of had to (laughs) can you imagine if they okay okay that's interesting i think though i would have been a little more impressed had it not been a pet yeah is it a shelter or a it was an animal shelter animal uh-huh. welfare uh-huh. I mean it goes by many names but <laughs> well, so how do you think they would have taken request time request for time off work for a breakup um I don't know I mean I think uh I think it it wouldn't have been impossible um but okay, it but would be very much I would feel very weird about That's asking the for thing. it you would yeah. not want to voice that I don't think a lot of people are going to want to ask for that because I know that I wouldn't and I'm you know a freaking breakup coach and I still probably mm-hmm. wouldn't mm-hmm. want to <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure what I would do um all right but our tangent means- over <laughs> No, you're, we're, I love our tangents. Um, our point being though, is that you are allowed to grieve mm-hmm. and that you must grieve in mm-hmm. many cases in order to get it out of your system. So the grieving process is just as important as everything else that we and other breakup coaches talk about, mm-hmm. which, okay. So what do breakup coaches talk about? No contact, self-care, you know, affirmations, writing in your journal and we also need to talk about grieving and giving space for it. 
Yes. And a big part of the grieving process for some people or a part of it is crying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I needed to, to do that, but all right. So yeah. crying can be an extremely therapeutic part of the grieving process. Yeah. It often goes either overlooked or discredited or people don't want to do it. People don't want to talk about it. Um, so we thought we'd do an episode on the healing benefits of this very human response to pain and why you should embrace it rather than avoid it. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> I think it's funny that that we're doing an episode on this, but I think both of us are kind of the type that would prefer to avoid this pain response. So let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not great at crying. (laughs) Hey, different strokes for different folks. So I read in, um, as I was preparing for this episode, that average woman or women on average (laughs) cry five to six times a month. So for me, I wouldn't say that I cry that often. No. I can probably pinpoint every time I've cried in the last uh, several months. I could probably yeah. say what it was about. Yeah. Um, I, I probably wish it. I could cry five to six times a month. Yeah, possibly I because I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just like, go, go, go. And I don't let things get to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what forever. What, for whatever reason, it's not my response. Mm-hmm. Um, though when I heard about the shootings yesterday morning, mm-hmm. I did I did cry, um, which kind yeah. of surprised me in a way, just because I don't know something in the news. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm desensitized, but yeah, it really got to me for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so what am I? What was I going to say? Oh, but all right. I had a reason for bringing this average woman thing up. So while (laughs) I might not cry five to six times a month, when I do cry, I really, really give space for it for sure. I let it come on. And then because it's typically something that I need to process, I will really, really let it come on, you know, Mm -hmm. and like sink into it, like really sob. Yeah. You know, sometimes like really out loud sometimes. Yeah. Full sometimes. send crying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I will say it really does feel good. It really does help me to process the mm-hmm. emotions. And yeah. I won't get into too much detail, but the last time that I had a really good cry was on Christmas Day. Aww. Well, Christmas night. It's all right. It's all right. Because I could just tell, you know pandemic holidays aren't really that great, <laughs> you know, as no way. Point. So, and then, you know, some stuff happened, um, that just kind of hurt my feelings with some family members. And I just kind of avoided it all day long because it's Christmas. I'm like, I'm not going to let this ruin my Christmas. Mm-hmm. But then once the night hit and it was really weighing on me, of course, cause it was Christmas. I had had some wine mm-hmm. and a sad, well, it wasn't a sad song. It was a song that someone was singing about their family and like loving their family. And I started to like feel it bubble up. And I was like, I'm putting on the song. And so I, then I put on the song again and I just let it go. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know how long I cried, but I really processed it. And then afterward, 
I have to say, I don't know if I cried myself to sleep in this case, but I really felt like, mm, you know, <laughs> I feel yeah. a little better now. That was, I'm really glad I did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you have to move things through yeah. your body. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, um, there's, it's called journal speak. It was okay. um, kind of created by uh, this uh, lady Nicole Sachs, S A C H S, I believe, and she um, she works a lot with chronic pain right. and helping cure chronic pain. And journal speak is what she uses with her clients because she says there's a link between chronic pain and unprocessed emotions. And she has people like write a list of literally everything that they think of no matter how petty that has happened that has like caused them some sort of emotional pain and every morning you just pick something from the list and you just you go full two-year-old temper tantrum on whatever (laughs) happened you just write it out you're like this made me feel so terrible this is the worst thing like total hyperbole Mm -hmm. and you just lean into that instead of being like no, my adult brain is saying that that one time I was teased in second grade doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, be like, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me that has followed me ever since and blah, like all of this stuff. And it's quite dark, but uh-huh. she says that, you know, so much of this stuff that we've experienced, we never really gave it the stage. We never mm-hmm. gave it the chance to be as terrible as we felt it was in that moment and so like crying like what you were saying about Christmas you were like I'm gonna lean into it Mm -hmm. and afterwards you felt so much better and that's kind of like the same thing with journal speak so it sounds a little bit like this um ubiquitous uh shadow work that everyone is very into talking about (laughs) these days right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah you're going into the darkness instead of like avoiding acknowledging that it exists And you have to, because mm-hmm. that shit, if you bottle it up, it, it <sighs> explodes eventually. Exactly. So that's kind of my relationship with crying. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I do think that this is something that I prefer to do alone. And we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about this later in the episode. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know sometimes pe- there, there have been times that people have seen me sad and they're like, just, you know, just do it. It's okay. And just, I don't know all the reasons. This is just something I like to lean into solo. So yeah. that's me. Yeah. There's, there's only so much social reconditioning we can do at one time, you know, (laughs) it's like, I'm working on some stuff, so I'm not going to work on the fact that I don't feel comfortable (laughs) crying in front of people right now. Um, I'm good. I've got some other stuff that I'm (laughs) working on. (laughs) One thing at a time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But you know what? I didn't put this in here, but, um, apparently this crying in front of other people is thought to be so therapeutic that there are bars or cafes in Japan where wow. where people go and get triggered and then cry at the cafe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there's, you know, like people there to hold space and it's a thing. I can't remember the name That's of it. That's awesome. Cause I, I know this is probably very out of date information that I have, but I know Japan was facing kind of a mental health crisis. Mm. Oh yeah. Maybe this is in uh, response to that. 
Yeah. I don't know. We should look into it and maybe we could do a an IG live or something about yeah. it. I think people would find it interesting. Ooh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so Claire, what about you? Yeah, personally, I am usually crying alone. I do like to call someone that I trust to kind of vent while I cry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and sometimes because I do struggle to get crying. <laughs> like, I'll just be like, hours, be like. Hours? Yeah, just going throughout my day and being Aww. like, oh, I feel really shitty. Like, I wish I could just cry. And then like, not being able to. But then, you know, if I like, you know, call up my dad, tears mm-hmm. immediately. And, you know, it just, I'm I'm able to let that release happen Mm -hmm. so yeah or call up like I have a couple friends who (laughs) like my longtime best friend um you know she's always gotten the first call after I break up with someone um that's good okay so this is good so what you've learned about her is that she is good for providing breakup support oh I'm glad that you have that exactly yeah um but yeah, so I have trouble crying, but like, you know, if I see a sports montage where like <laughs> one runner helps another runner across oh. the line, tears instantly, like okay. <laughs> that, okay. that sort of inspirational shit really uh-huh. gets me. Mm. Um, but like, What movie has made you cry the most? Oh, um, I cried. Um, Becoming Jane made me cry when they're old and they look oh, at each wow. other across the room. Never, I've oddly never watched that movie. Okay. Oh my god, right. Janice, you would love it. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, it's like right up your alley. <laughs> I, okay. Oh my god, I don't know what it's it so is. Okay. Good. Becoming Jane. It's about Jane Austen. Yeah, yeah, I, I know of it. I know. Yeah, it. and that. I one feel like guy. there was just like so much Jane Austen stuff coming out for a while. Um, yeah. But I. Yeah, I know. I'm. I am a fan of hers. Okay, so becoming Jane and what? Becoming else? Jane. You cry um, when we watch Twilight. No, I didn't. I didn't cry when I watched Twilight <laughs> either. I think for me, yeah. What I'm about you? Sure, I'm sure there are others because both of these are way old, like yeah. college and high. Oh, both high school, both high school. Okay, Titanic. I'm sorry, but I yeah really cried that was a very sad ending obviously and it really it really got to me and yeah. then have you seen life is beautiful no yeah um it's intense it's a world war ii movie and Ugh. um the father gets killed at the yeah. end and oh my god, god. atonement it destroyed me emotionally yeah atonement um, i cried as well that was like one of my favorite books for a while but all right, so a few yeah. there for you, <laughs> listeners. All right, so um, scientists believe that humans are the only species that cry because of emotions. So I know that there's lots of gifts with bears crying and whatnot, but we probably are the only animal that have that response. So let's talk a bit about some theories around why we cry. Mm-hmm. I thought this would be interesting to include. Um, yet... I was also kind of amazed that once I started reading even different academic um, articles on this, that there is lots of conflicting opinion about human mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. So 
I, we love hearing from everybody, but I don't necessarily want to hear from people who say that we're way off on these theories because some people believe them, some people don't. They're just theories. But the yeah. ones that I selected are ones that I felt really made the most sense to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, science, respect to scientists are exploring these as, as reasons for why we cry. So mm-hmm. I thought we would still go into it. So theory number one, I thought this was so interesting. So crying can help us bond with or receive care from others because it's mm. a physical sign that others, you know, others can see that we are in pain. Yeah. So why is this a theory? Scientists have found that emotional tears differ from the tears that we get, for instance, when we chop onions and that they're more viscous and stick to the st- the skin more strongly. Okay. Which I guess is true. It does seem like the tears from onions, um, they don't, they don't stay. They don't create, yeah. you know, they don't stick around as much as emotional yeah. tears. Um, yeah. I, so I do believe this. So obviously because they're more viscous, they make them more likely to be seen by others. Mm-hmm, Cause they stick and, to your skin. Right. And I think that there's probably more emotional tears too. I mean, tears from onions can go, go away kind of quickly. But yeah. um, so I hate tears from onions so yeah, bad. Yeah, they're so bad. <laughs> so some also believe that these tears are more viscous because they carry toxins out of our system, mm-hmm. which we may need when we are grieving. And yeah. this is the theory that I saw um, argued the most, you know, one paper would say it does. And then another paper would say this has been disproven, but whatever, I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that you also thought that this was a sticking point for you, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, on the, the point of making the tears more likely to be seen by others, you know, evolution, they don't have like, Oh, here's a problem. Let's come up with a solution. It's more like, here's something that happened randomly. Did it make it more likely for those people to procreate? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so yeah, you know, I think so that, that could be, um, just a happy coincidence that it does help solidify like social bonds, which is Mm -hmm. very important for human survival and human procreation. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Which is what evolution's all about. Um, (laughs) so yeah, but then also, um, for carrying toxins out of the system, I thought that was a really interesting point and one that I think is pretty valid because, um, when we're stressed, we're releasing all of these stress hormones in our body. And so, um, you know, these up our risk of cancer and heart disease and all of this bad stuff. And so having a grieving process that literally carries those stress hormones out of our body, um, I think is really efficient and helps us survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why, um, part of the reason why you feel so much better after you cry is because you've been able to shed some of those stress hormones. You're not as full. Totally. Yeah. And I'm going to talk more about self-soothing in a moment. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, And then I also wanted to mention that I also, as far as this crying in front of other people theory goes that I did come across a study in which um, a bunch of people cried. <laughs> there, there was a study on crying and I read about it in the journal of research on personality and the people who either, so the, the people who cried alone or with one other person were typically 
found to have to feel better after. Whereas if you cried in front of two or more people, mm-hmm. you felt worse or the same. Yeah. So it is about <laughs> like the bond between just one other person, which could be evolutionary. Fun the second about theory <laughs> is what you just said about releasing stress and that emotional tears um, can be self soothing and have a cathartic effect which Mm -hmm. I definitely believe Mm -hmm. so oh did you know that there is a world expert on crying (gasps) okay this came up in almost everything that I read about this topic his name is Odd Vingerholtz a professor from the Netherlands and listen he's the author of why only humans weep it's a book and among six other books on human crying. Wow. Uh, so odd. If you are listening, I would like to have you on. I did yeah. look into him a little bit. He looks like a fascinating man. And I would love to like talk crying. Definitely. So, oh my gosh. And <laughs> could you imagine being friends some- with him? And, and you're like, I'm having a really bad day. He's like, cry. I want to watch. I'm going to be taking notes. Oh, yeah. my God. No. We're like, that's, no. that's all the no's for me. Yeah. All right. So he found in one of his many studies on the topic that um, he watched people who cried because uh, cried or did not cry because of watching sad movies. So listen to this. So he found that. 90 minutes after the movie, the people who had cried because of the movie were in a better mood um, 90 minutes later than those who had not, but had watched the same movie. In fact, um, the study said that they either, that they actually felt worse. They like, they were in a bad Dang. mood because of watching the sad movie. That's so. really interesting. Yep. Yeah. Because they trapped their emotions inside. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Processing yeah. And they didn't um yeah, they didn't get it out of their system. You know, imagine if I had just kept all of the Titanic feelings inside of me rather than not crying for probably a good hour after. Aww. I could still have Titanic trauma. Yeah, you just walk around for the next few days being like, there was room on the door. There's room on the door. <laughs> oh my god. That movie. All right. Um, so anything else that you want to say about stress and crime? I mean, to me, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, um, this is just not the same as crying, but animals do release stress by having a physical reaction and that's shaking. Um, so, you know, if you, if you like rough your cat around or uh-huh. whatever, you'll see that they like, you know, you pet them like aggressively and they walk away. You'll see them shake, like to like, shake off the, um, the stress of being, being loved on, um, you know, or <laughs> like in more traumatizing circumstances as well. Like um, if you're watching a wildlife documentary and the water Buffalo gets away, they'll, they'll like shake it off and be like, Oh, that was a lot of stress you know the water um, buffalo shakes yeah it's it's pretty much like with all animals um yeah I mean I'm open to being like someone bringing something else forward on that but I'm pretty sure it's like all animals they shake it off you know um they don't have the crying power that we do um but they do do something physical in order to remove like somatically get 
get mm-hmm. it out mm-hmm. of their body. Yeah. And I mean, we don't have to get into this now, but I'm sure you're probably aware of the shaking rituals, you know, that yeah. some new age groups do, which I don't think that that's quite up my alley, but you know, some humans even find shaking to be cathartic. Yeah. We just All have right. a lot and of conditioning that says that that's not <laughs> I can definitely normal. accept that that's probably why I've never been able to get into the public shaking. But if yeah. you are into shaking and you want to talk to us about it, hit us up because that could be yeah. quite interesting. All right. So we are going to talk um, soon about why grieving is important. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, we hope you're all enjoying this episode on crying and grieving so far. Oh. <laughs> no, if anyone has a good cry after listening to this, I really, really want to know. Yeah. Especially yes. if it helps. If it doesn't help, I, it helps, that's valid as well. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everything feels worse before it feels better. Yeah. Oh, good point, girl. Yeah. All right. So why are we talking about this? <laughs> so why? as we said earlier, <laughs> grieving is absolutely essential for healing. You, It's important for being able to think about your new future, for preparing ourselves for new relationships. And this is partially why both of us coach, because this is a period that deserves to be recognized and allowed, and it's often not and people really, really benefit from getting extra support during this time. And I mm-hmm. love this um, this time frame or this time period, this stage of the breakup process. Mm-hmm. So when we fail to recognize the sadness that we're experiencing, we ignore a lot about our overall breakup experience. Mm-hmm. So we don't think about what led to the breakup. We don't think about what we want in our next relationship. Mm-hmm. We don't think about that we're hurt. We don't think about what hurt us. Mm-hmm. And so it really has, it can have a really long lasting impact. And um, I won't go into too many details, but everyone probably knows already that I'm a DV survivor and that the first couple months after this breakup, I wasn't really given the space to process what had happened. I was a mess. And then about three months into it, I ended up moving to Australia where nobody really knew about the situation. And I just buried it. I started meeting people. I started like really compulsively socializing, going out, I kind of got into party culture and I just pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down. And it was good. I know, Claire, you have talked about that there is a time when processing can kind of get in the way a a bit in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of bordering on that. Mm -hmm. And so it was good that I was able to distract myself for a short period. But then I just never addressed what happened. And yeah, I had a really hard time having like healthy, functional, joyous relationships for a really long time because yeah as soon as I would get close to a man little things that reminded me of the abuse would come up or I'd get quote triggered and I just wasn't able to really build intimacy with people mm-hmm. so yeah. you do need to um, really embrace this um, part of the process yeah exactly and I think it's you know I think if you're if you lean too heavily on distraction in the beginning and you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going through life. I'm coping. Well, you start entering new relationships. You start, you know, Mm. 
being in your life. And sometimes it's not until you've built something, you know, at whatever stage, but when you feel safe enough to start that processing, it can be really poor timing because you've been acting like you're fine, saying you're fine, telling yourself that you're fine. And then, you know, you're possibly, you know, um, ruining things that you not ruining, but you're sabotaging. Yeah. You're self-sabotaging because yeah. Um, it just, it can put a spanner in the works of what you're trying to build for yourself. If you haven't processed what you've gone through, um, yet. And I get that. And I get why that happens because I think it's like when you're in survival mode, you're not working on processing feelings, you know? Mm. And it's when you get that feeling of safety back a lot of times that you feel comfortable enough to start feeling the feelings. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm. Yeah. And so it can, you know, it sounds like a lot of what you went through with moving to Australia, you were like survival mode, survival mm-hmm. mode, build something, build a container that I feel safe in. And then when you did start feeling safe, that's when you started processing a lot of what you did. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Like I said, it came up in dating situations or I would like dr- be drinking and having fun with my friends. And then all of a sudden, boom, do an embarrassing overshare that had you know like nothing to do because I <laughs> with with the, just the hangout. So yeah, it, I definitely this is a perfect example of just the fact that a lot of people it might seem like a cliche that if you bottle something down it comes up, but mm-hmm. I know from experience that it does. Yeah, completely, one hundred percent does. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, Yeah. So just know things are not necessarily linear. We'll go more into this soon, but um, just know. We talked about linear, linearity, linearity (laughs) with breaks and and we'll continue to come back to it uh, because yeah, I mean, even if you do give space to the grieving, it can still come up. um, Yeah. It, you know, it you, it's not like you get two weeks and then now you move on to the getting Next your group stage. back phase. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it does go back and forth, but I know that yeah. if you don't give the two weeks or the month to the grieving that mm-hmm. you, you're not going to so be able to move harder. forward when you're ready. Yeah. Until. And if you're listening to this podcast, just know you are doing everything yeah. right. Yeah. Like you are giving yourself such an advantage. Like the fact that you are looking at a breakup as something that has a solution (laughs) as something that you can, you can do well or do poorly. You're, you're on the right track. And I just want to recognize like how much you are doing for yourself right now, just by seeking out information like this. And it's what I think every single time that we get a DM from someone, I just want to tell them like, you are doing so well. You're prioritizing yourself. You're way farther, you know, like you're more ahead in the game than you think you are because (gasps) you're, yeah, yeah, you're really paying attention to your, to your healing. Mm -hmm. And also like taking responsibility and ownership over your healing experience. Yeah. I agree. We love you. So empowered. You guys are so (laughs) empowered. So amazing. All right. So 
the University of Washington Counseling Department says that grieving helps us move on from what has just happened. And one way of understanding the work to be done is to think of grieving as a series of tasks that we need to complete, not necessarily in sequence one before the other, but more like a check, a check off um, a list, you know? So number one, just, you know, no particular order, but number one, you need to accept the finality of the loss. I think this I'm, is our number one in our breakup commandments yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And I read, um, I don't remember where, but I read that um, there's something about crying that helps to the brain to recognize that the loss is final. Um, oh. I didn't put it in here, but I did come across that um, a couple of times. And that's I guess so that's kind of some type of physical signal to the brain that something big has happened. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it'll just help you more to um, kind of internalize and accept it if you cry. Yeah. Everything is connected. So mm -hmm. um, number two, acknowledge and express the full range of feelings we experience as a result of the loss. So cry. Yeah. <laughs> perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, cry. um, you have, you probably have, I think that you have mentioned that you had had like complex breakups where it's like, you were, you're glad. And this was my experience with my divorce is like, I was so relieved that I didn't have to see him every day. Uh, but then yeah. I have mentioned, um, <laughs> my God, Oh, divorcees. My heart goes out to you. All right. So at the same time, when he kind of like, let, when he walked out the door, like kind of when we said, when I like, when we said, you know, it was over, mm -hmm. um, I think it was like, he was going to go stay with someone. Um, I, what I cried my heart out. It yeah. was, yeah. So you can have, yeah. Com complex. It doesn't have to be all grief. You can have no. relief and grief or anger and yeah. grief. We're all about um, nuance nuance, and the fact that two seemingly opposite things can exist at the same time yep. within one person. So yeah. yeah, it's all about nuance. You can love someone, choose not to be with them, be sad that they're gone and happy that now you get to plan your whole life without them in it. So it's, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a handful. Um, so our that's why we're like 20 episodes into only talking about breakups. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't even no end in sight. Topics. <laughs> yeah, no end in sight. Yeah. Right, I'm sorry. Go on. Um, yeah. So our third task in our work of grieving is to adjust to a life in which the lost person is absent. This can be for objects or an experience as well. So you, you know, you're not just grieving the fact that you're not with someone anymore. You're grieving the fact that you're like never going to be able to make that burger as good as they did. You know, it's like yeah. all of those little um, like rituals that you did mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. kind of like your schedule, that comfortability yeah. of just knowing what to expect when you come yeah. home from work. You're um, grieving that was my all favorite. Of that I love that. I love that. I love hearing the keys, you know, when you yeah. come home. Yeah. Aww. And this is why I think Sundays are very hard for people. I've said this before also. Just, I mean, Sundays are kind of when you just kind of chill with your partner for a lot mm -hmm. of people. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Grieve. It's not happening anymore. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I feel like I was just gonna say that was very just like um, damn <laughs> to the point to the point but um, um yeah I, I'm all about the sun like recognizing that Sundays are hard and like kind of feeling into it and mm-hmm. and also pushing through it in a way because I know that some people can um this is a tempting time to reach out it's, yeah yeah and then we have our fourth task and this one I love so much to say goodbye, to ritualize our movement to a new peace with the loss. Mm. So rituals are so important. Mm. Like every culture has their own rituals and you can make your own for this circumstance. Um, You know, like this is why we have marriages and high school graduation ceremonies and rain dances and you know all of these things um <laughs> trying to draw from multiple cultures and that no was no for I sure got. I mean that's so. actually a very good example of one <laughs> I'm very into ritual and mm-hmm. I think we should do an episode on this and yeah, yeah I, I I agree and it's the acknowledgement of what's happened that yeah. we create a ritual around Yeah. So as you're going through these four tasks of accepting the finality of the loss to express the full range of feelings, to adjust to life without this person and to ritualize your movement onwards, good friends, family members, a personal counselor, a coach can all be very helpful in doing this vital work. Um, You can also do a good deal to help yourself. A lot of our other episodes will talk about things you can do practically during this process to help. One more thing, um, I referenced this earlier, but you've probably heard of the stages of grief being referenced. Yes, Uh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, and what people don't know is that these were actually identified in terms of people coming to terms with their own mortality. So Elizabeth, I think it's Kubler Ross, She first identified the five stages in her book on death and dying in 1969. I've heard of this book. Yeah. So denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I feel Mm -hmm. like we've all heard of these. Um, But these were never supposed to be misappropriated to people being left after losing someone. They were actually based on anecdotal evidence from conversations with 200 dying patients who were coming to terms with their own death. Uh And this was not an empirical study. So these stages of grief, yes, we may experience these when we're coping with a loss of our own, Mm -hmm. but they're not, it's not necessary, like they're not to be applied Uh people who are left and I think that's why um these stages are able to be so uncomplicated because the person passes away after gaining acceptance um Uh. whereas if you're still living you process these things over and over and over again you're like denial bargaining anger bargaining Mm -hmm. depression anger denial acceptance denial anger bargaining you know you're all over the place there's no order there's no length of time um these are just like I guess vocabulary we can use to describe our experience but it's not to be like 
this is the step-by-step process yeah you're all you're right follow mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah especially in breakups I mean we had just barely said that it's not linear so yeah exactly it it, yeah. yeah of course <laughs> um we're gonna do a happy hour on that movie I've told you about ages ago how to get over a breakup yes. and they they get they um, correlate the different stages of grief uh, grief with her story it's really uh-huh. cute and I uh, um, yeah so we'll see how they did it but yeah and I one, think one it, woman's experience yeah they definitely apply it's just like this is not but so the theory though of the five stages for. of grief from as I understand it is that you must go through each to move on to the next to get to the end right mm-hmm. is how okay so yeah um you're right doesn't it's not applicable to all breakups yeah you know Mm -hmm. and I think especially if you're the person breaking up with someone which is still very hard you might start in acceptance and be like I'm breaking up with them this is happening and then Mm -hmm. you know a week later you're starting to get those withdrawals and you're really uh you're having yeah, yeah, you're right. And you start I mean, bargaining and being like, well, maybe if they work on themselves uh-huh, and they fix yeah. this one thing, maybe then we could get back together. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just the wrong time. You yeah, know, I think a lot of denial goes into deciding to break up with someone too. Because mm-hmm. you've probably been uh, unhappy for a while. Yeah. Yep. Interesting point. I think we Ooh. should come back to, to oh, this. Oh, so, okay. I see. You go through the stages before the breakup. Probably. Yeah. I'm just thinking of my own and just knowing uh, that I was really unhappy, but just kind of denying that it was real or kind of, and then bargaining, kind of thinking like, but maybe I can fix it if I try yeah. harder. Uh, different for everyone. I think it's different oh, for everyone. This is so good. But yeah, I just thought <laughs> I'd, I'd share that. Yeah. Um, that's important because I I think that because just like what we talked about with the um that it takes you half the time of the relationship to get over the breakup that these are things that are so ingrained because mm-hmm. we hear about the five stages of grief same with this stupid half the time theory in pop <laughs> culture all the time all the and time. so people just think that these are um you know true things <laughs> That was not articulate, but you know what I mean. People think that this is real. This is how you're meant to. Yeah, this is the definition. It is written in stone. Um. All right. So you need to do what's right for you, but you do need to do it because Mm -hmm. when we hold on to feelings of anger, sadness, resentment, and other breakup feelings towards others, uh, it becomes harder to let the person go. Even mm. if you don't necessarily want to get back together with them, if you're still holding on to this anger, you know, way later, then you're still holding on to them. And I know a lot of people listening want to get to the point where they can date again and have a healthier, happier, more joyous relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you don't let your previous partner go, you can't really do that. So yeah. even if you're angry or sad about your ex um, and you don't want to get to back together with them, they could still become what you talk about a lot, the phantom ex. Mm-hmm. Or you could just simply be holding on to negative emotions and this connection towards this person that will prevent you from bonding with someone new. Yeah. So, oh, and then I thought of this as I was writing a little outline for this episode is... Um, you know, the cliche and tell me if this has ever happened to you of going on a first date with someone and having them talk about their ex. Mm -hmm. And this is because this person hasn't grieved and processed and let the person go so much so 
that they go on a first date and bring it up. It's the biggest turnoff in the world. <laughs> and people don't go into a first date thinking that they're going to talk about their ex. But, you know, it's almost like you, you can't help it because you haven't appropriate, appropriately gotten it out of your system. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this has definitely happened to me. Uh, <laughs> and at the time I was kind of relieved because it was a date, um, like, you know, after I had broken up with my ex-fiance. So I was like, Oh my God, I've been engaged before. Like, when do you tell someone that, you know, oh like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and, and <laughs> Not he brought on up date. the fact that he had been engaged Okay. On the okay. first date. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, phew, me too. Like, uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it definitely is. Um, it is kind of a red flag. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> red flag, turn off. Yeah. All it's kind of a red flag. But I was stoked because I was no longer worried about like when you're supposed to bring that up. Um, so yeah. Okay do you still think it should be on a first date no (laughs) okay good all right (laughs) I wouldn't Uh, have brought it up if he hadn't so yeah I don't think first date is I think there's you know there's like the old school like sleep with someone after three dates maybe Mm -hmm. talk about your ex after at least three dates (laughs) like yeah 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 yeah. I think you do get to know a lot about someone about how they talk about their ex that's a really good point. I yeah. agree. Yes. Or any of their exes. So I do ask about those things. Yeah. If someone says their ex was crazy, you're like, we'd probably be friends. A good <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, get it out of your system uh, before you start wanting to seriously date again. Yeah. Because I would yeah. imagine it's going to go a lot smoother I would almost exactly and then when it does come up naturally not Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. the first date (laughs) right right there it's not an emotionally charged conversation yes yes exactly uh you should talk about your exes with new partners Mm -hmm. and um but from a place of a bit of yeah a a disconnect in a way yeah Yeah. and and if you have been dating someone for you know maybe a couple months and they're not talking about their exes like even when it comes up that's also a red flag Hmm. too okay yeah all right well okay I'm making notes yeah this is gotta talk about this more okay all right talking about the ex future X files episode all right. So let's talk about how much crying is too much crying or potentially how much grieving is too much grieving. True. So I don't think that it's a matter of how long or how often you cry mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as it is a matter of how the grieving process is impacting your day today. So another great quote from the same University of Washington Counseling Department article says and i really like this active healthy grieving requires balance balancing the time you spend directly working on your grief with the time you spend coping with your day-to-day life Mm -hmm. balancing the amount of time you spend with others with the amount of time you spend alone balancing seeking help from others with caring for yourself Focusing too strongly on any single side of these pairings is getting off track. 
So if you're still in the grieving process, but you are working on yourself, which you are because you're listening to a freaking breakup podcast. Hell yeah. High five. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing the right things. If it's not preventing you from getting up, from going to work with seeing others, Mm -hmm. paying bills, then you're on the right track. Yeah. If your grieving is getting in the way of those things, then there is absolutely nothing wrong with seeking counseling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get help because that's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you might be amazed at how just having a few sessions with a counselor is just going to launch you to um, the next level of your healing journey. Yeah. So. And I think, you know, we're getting to a place where there's not so much stigma with that, but just yeah. know, you know, you're not meant to go to a counselor for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. meant to do it for a short time to deal with certain circumstances and a short time being, you know, two, two months to yeah. two years, you know, mm-hmm. it depends on what you're going through. But the idea is that you come out of it better than you came into it. Mm-hmm. And I just love that quote, um, you know, who knows who it's from, but it's just circulated on the internet where it says, you know, um, the reason so many people go to therapy is because of people who refuse to go to therapy. Oh <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. That is probably true. Yeah. yeah do it. Do Just it, do, do, it, it. do it. Yeah. Yep. Cause hurt you people hurt people. Yeah. Oh, true. And take you care don't of your need own lawn. to take care of your own lawn. Yeah. That's good. Um, you don't need to be out of your relationship, dealing with a breakup and also like lose your job or let your health go or alienate your friends. And so anytime that you see that that's starting to happen, call in some reinforcements. Yes. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful when people can see that they need more help. Mm -hmm. So any final words on crying before we get to our special segment? No. Um, Uh, I would just say if you have trouble crying um, or, you know, you maybe don't have a private space to do it, um, car drives can be great if you can safely cry while driving or drive to a spot to cry, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, put on a playlist specifically that is going to trigger the F out of you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'll drop some. Yeah, Janice has some amazing playlists put together for the Mm X-Files. Um, because yeah, you can have that solitude in your car and you're not going to have to worry about people walking in on you and just make that kind of a nice ritual for you yourself, you know, bring a journal and just have like a, a date with yourself to go process some emotions. Yeah. Oh, and we really wish you the best and we really, um, honor and respect you for taking time to to do that awesome well welcome to our next issue of breakup ballads toxic or empowering where we review songs to see if we would agree with how they're handling their breakup um (laughs) because what else sounds more fun to close a podcast with so this week, um, Janice chose the song this mm-hmm. week. So we're doing Daffodil Lament 
by by cranberries. cranberries. Yeah. (laughs) So a little more old school, slight um, slash much more old school than the (laughs) song we chose last week. Uh But so I have a bunch of songs that I want to do. But for this one, I thought it might be good to end an episode where, you know, we're talking about grieving and crying and processing sadness with what I consider to be one of the most positive, hopeful breakup songs that Mm -hmm. I know of. Yeah. So slash the one that I like to listen to the most when I'm, um, you know, looking forward for my future after just kind of having left something that was important to me at one point. Mm-hmm. So I discovered this song during my divorce or around that time. Um, it was a very long time ago. And so I'm not exactly sure. I definitely did not look up breakup songs. What I highly would assume happened is that I used to be super into Pandora radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not, I don't even have the app anymore, but oh my God, I loved the song suggestions that Pandora would give. Yeah. I discovered several, um, even artists that I listen to this day through Pandora's recommendations. Yeah. Same. And so I really, I would very much assume that it just came up one day, but I don't know for sure. But when I got divorced, I selected this song. And I put together this kind of morning breakup playlist of, you know, this song, but also some that were much more aggressive and kind of kick ass. And mm-hmm. I would listen to it, you know, every morning on the subway. And it really, it really um, helped comfort me. And I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that I probably did listen to this song every morning for quite some time. Dang. And I think that it's really beautiful. I listened to it today, you know, knowing that we were going to record this and I just, I think they knocked it out of the park and I, and I love it. And I thought it would be fun to end on something empowering that involves you to your future. Awesome. So so we will go through the lyrics and we'll say what we think. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to laugh for some reason. Okay. Hold. Okay. So the song starts out with a really beautiful instrumental opening and then um is the lyrics say holding on that's what i do since i met you and it won't be long (laughs) would you notice if i left you and it's fine for some because you're not the one you're not the one wow so obviously the person singing is kind of getting ready to leave somebody and yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and which this is what we go through when you know we're the one to walk away is like is this gonna matter is this mm-hmm. gonna make any difference and mm-hmm. you know I'm just I, re- I related to this during my divorce divorce because sometimes I just felt like I was just sort of holding my breath you know just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop and yeah just this mm-hmm. holding on feeling um yep. yeah so next it says all night long, laid on my pillow. These things are wrong. I can't sleep here. Oh, that's the worst feeling. Or <laughs> it's just like, this is not mm-hmm. right. This is bad. No. Yeah. Yeah. And also these kind of ideas and revelations that we get at night. And especially mm-hmm. sometimes when we're sleeping next to the person. Yes. Uh, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> all right so now we get into the good stuff so 
it starts off so lovely, so lovely. I have decided to leave you forever. I have decided to start things from here. Thunder and lightning won't change what I'm feeling. And the daffodils look lovely today. The daffodils look lovely today. Lovely today. Mm. Do you think the daffodils are actually daffodils? Or do you think it's all the other options? Uh, Well, but like what? like all the other all the other men oh you know (laughs) okay so uh, yeah I mean what I kind of have in mind is just that you know this is a person who's making a really big decision to walk away Mm -hmm. and just kind of this feeling of being able to recognize something so simple but that's just bringing her so much joy Mm -hmm. and that through seeing something just as simple as a daffodil just having this feeling of you know like it's going to be all right yeah, you know, it's going to be all right. Is, and I might as well do it on a day when the daffodils are looking lovely yeah. mm-hmm. and there's something, there's like some optimism. Yes. The and there's the spring symbolism of, you know, a new beginning and hope and a fresh start. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. decided to start things from here. Yeah. I love that wording. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Love it's like, because so we, we hear breakups mm-hmm. as like ending things. Yes. And yes. she's like, no, I've mm-hmm. decided to start things from here. Yep. Because yeah. I'm leaving you forever. <laughs> it's such a good way to look at a breakup. And yes, yeah. the finality of it. I am leaving. I'm starting forever. my new thing. <laughs> and I am looking at the sunflowers and the daffodils and smelling the roses. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. It's so yeah. beautiful, too. Such lovely instrumentals. So everyone go listen. But we got one more verse. <laughs> In your eyes, I see the disguise. In your eyes, I see the disguise. Has anyone seen lightning? Has anyone looked lovely? And the daffodils look lovely today. And the daffodils look lovely today. Look lovely today. Yeah. So really putting a positive spin on her breakup and on the future and Mm. already you know she's walked out the door and the first thing that maybe catches her eye is how this lovely daffodil filled yeah yeah and that's enough to keep her going for you know the next day or however long yeah also just the fact that you she's able to see beauty sometimes Mm -hmm. we're when we're in a breakup you don't want to talk to people you don't want people to look at you and I could, you know, sometimes when I was listening to this song on the subway, you know, I did have a lot of heaviness in my heart and, you know, I just kind of wanted to get there. I didn't, I wondered, you know, like, can people see my black heart, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, that can people can tell that I'm going through this. Yeah. And I just, this the song was really comforting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it would kind of help me through the day too just kind of appreciate the the little things and the small mm-hmm. moments and you know the bagel that I would get before I got to work and just was putting time to um sitting and enjoying it and yeah. eating it rather than rushing with it mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah and the fact it's still my favorite breakup song ever that's awesome I, I guess we'd have to ask her um I forgot her name so I guess she's like you know, the fact that the daffodils look lovely to her. Mm-hmm. She's more in love with life than in, yes! in love with any human. Yes. That is completely what I took away from it yeah. when I started listening to it during during my divorce. Completely. Yeah. Oh, 
Yep. Love of life, love of nature, um, putting yourself first, love of your future, even though you kind of get by this um, image of the daffodils kind of and the um, open road that she's not really sure what Mm -hmm. is in store, but she just knows that it's going to be something good. Yeah. And I don't know much about daffodils, um, like their symbology or anything. But what's interesting, and this is like a personal story, but um, what's interesting is that um, when my mom's dad died, uh, my dad's mom planted daffodils on the shared grave of my mom's parents. Um, And so that was in the late 70s oh oh and um and then I went to England two years ago and we found the graves and the daffodils were blooming and it was the only grave with daffodils and so 50 years later there were still daffodils and they bloom it was February so they Mm -hmm. bloom in the middle of winter and so I think that's really interesting maybe that's the the metaphor is that the daffodils bloom Mm -hmm. in the middle of winter yeah they're starting to come out now yeah so yeah so she's been experiencing a winter and Mm -hmm. the daffodils are blooming yeah at the very very beginning of the new season yeah oh <laughs> so, so this would be a song a breakup ballad that we would probably rate as empowering I yes. would yeah <laughs> empowering definitely empowering yep. and I know that it's a uh, slightly obscure and so I'd love people to listen and let us know what they think and I hope that it you know brings smile and hope to your breakup because it did mine (laughs) all right oh thank you so much for listening um just as a reminder we are building our online community breakups Mm -hmm. broken hearts and moving on on facebook if you have a song you would like us to review yeah let us know please we will be doing this every um episode in which it's just claire and myself so awesome. each week, each week. That was a very long way to say we're doing this each week. <laughs> Once a All right. week. Well, we've been talking about crying for a while now. Yeah. And yeah, thank you so much to everyone who listened. And thank you to everyone who's prioritizing their healing journey. You're doing amazing. Yes. And yeah, you got this. Doing so amazing. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next time. Thanks for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you like this episode, tag us on your Instagram story so we can connect with you. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at Claire Loftus. And me, Janice, on Instagram at Janice Formicella. If you'd like to join our online community, find us on Facebook at Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. And here's a preview of our next episode. Yes, that's, I'm so glad that that came through because that's, to me, that's exactly the lesson. It's like, no matter what's going on in the external, mm-hmm. if you do want to have, like the quality of the relationship that I have right now is because I've put so much focus on me and my values and knowing what I stand for and getting to know me. And then 
the more that I up-leveled my life, the more that I stopped needing external yeah. um, things. Like, I don't need partying, I don't need any, everything comes from the inside.